Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Coming up in 20 minutes, Keith Bullock joins us here at 6th and Peabody Broadcasting Live outside in the beer garden with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Great setup, and this is where we will be tomorrow morning. Opening early here at Old Smoky and uh, Yeehaw here at 6th and Peabody for Outkick the Tailgate. We will be live at 8 o'clock a.m. tomorrow morning right here across the Outkick Network to get you ready for the college football game day. Outkick 360 rolls on. Hendon Hooker's going to play. That's the report from On3 that Hendon Hooker will be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Vols as they visit Tuscaloosa tomorrow. And, look, if he's fully healthy, that, that's the decision. You know, the, the, what I was saying yesterday was about if he's not 75%, well, he's 60%. Not fully healthy. Well, I don't I, think I, he would be either based on the, the hammy and the ankle. I, I think that's something to watch early in that game because yeah. everyone was questioning last week against Ole Miss and what was the biggest SEC game of the week. Why is Tennessee not running Hendon Hooker more in the, when they got nothing going on offense in the first half? And then suddenly in the second half, they go out and score on their first drive, largely because Hendon Hooker started running. Is he going to come out, and are they going to call design run plays for Hendon Hooker? That's going to tell us a lot about his health and about his knee in this game. If there's not a run option or design run for him early in this game, I think that pretty much tells you, yeah, he's not close to 100%. But, but even if they take that out of the arsenal, he still has to run the up-tempo offense, right? Like that, To me, this is closer to 100% than we thought, given the injury and the way he went down last week. This is great news for Tennessee. It is in line with what has worked for Tennessee and Josh Heupel in year one, which is a go-for-it mentality, right? This is, Paul, you talked about it yesterday. Not You'd had a problem down, with it. This, it. Is, this is a go-for-it mentality. Right? I mean, that's, that's what they're doing in this game. It's what I, uh, yeah, I want it, absolutely. Well, you just hope he doesn't further injure the, the hamstring. No, look, it's, I mean, there's built-in risk, right? You, you have to weigh, weigh the potential. And, um, the Bachelorettes are back, yeah. Chad. They're back. What, what's your name, ladies? <laughs> Where are you from? Georgia. They're from Georgia. Chad's all, <laughs> Chad's all of a sudden a lot less interested. We're big in, we're big in Georgia. We are big in Georgia. Go Braves. Yeah. What's your name, ma'am? We, this is our I, third I, uh, literally, party. This literally, week. we need to like we we need to elect a communicator right, yeah. of the group because I just ask scream. question and they all scream at the same time. Yeah. We need a single screamer. You, got one us. screamer. you in the white shirt. What's your name? <laughs> Lawrence got us. Corey. 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 Congratulations, Corey. Have fun in Nashville. Wow. Sound like Marianne from Brooklyn. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy our city. Enjoy <laughs> it. Little, little shrill. This is like is this the stopping point for the party bus? It is. That, oh, you have no, right you don't come out of the parking lot the same way I do. I look, Paul, I I've been so constantly. focused on this show all day. I've not looked around at all. I, I can't oh, even. I, I, I'm sorry. There I deal with over that. There? I can't even see. I deal it's with amazing. that coming out of the parking lot every day. You yeah. go out the other way. They're ready to go. Smart. Corey's ready. Keith Bullock uh, is. What are we talking about? Well. <laughs> He'll be here in 15 minutes. Oh, Tennessee, Alabama. Tennessee, Alabama. Trade trade deadline coming up on Tuesday in the NFL. 
And I mentioned earlier in the week, I, there have, there's been more chatter about this deadline than in Isn't recent it, years. Is it November 2nd? Uh, no, you're right. Two weeks. Two weeks. A week yeah. from Tuesday. Scared me. I was like, is this uh, week no, you're right. Halloween? It was two weeks from this past Tuesday, November the 2nd. <laughs> I don't have any candy to give away to kids. I don't know what Simon's wearing. Well, but what, what confused me is the fact that the Texans and the Dolphins apparently want to get a deal done this week. Yeah. With the deadline being November 2nd, they want to get a deal done for Deshaun Watson. Let's get that. The other player that is being discussed quite a bit is Odell Beckham Jr. And the fact that the Browns played last night, I wonder, could something happen over the weekend? Do you want Odell Beckham Jr. right now? I yes. Mean, he, yeah? His talent is through the roof, absolutely. Just, I, I don't know. I, I tend to always look at the downside of some of these trades. If, if the guy has a question, I'd thoroughly examine the question. And my question is, Browns got Odell Beckham Jr. as a go-for-it move. This guy was going to elevate them and take them to the next level. And the Browns have gotten good without Odell Beckham well, the being part, a contributor. Well, the, problem, the, the, the real issue with Odell Beckham in Cleveland was last year when he got hurt, the offense actually became more balanced without him in the lineup. And the, the, the talk was that they weren't trying to – Baker wasn't forcing the football to him. I don't know if that's true. That they weren't trying to force him the football, and he was more balanced and looking through all these reads. I, 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 for the most part, I don't buy into the fact that a quarterback goes into it looking to get a, a receiver so many looks or touches. You go to your best guys for a reason. Stafford goes to Cooper Cup the same way Jared Goff did because he's open and he's going to catch the football. He's the first read on plays, and he's open as the first read on plays. Yeah, that tends to make sense. I don't know. I just It's an interesting trade, I, though. I worry when somebody's traded for a guy, trades a lot for a guy, and he doesn't pan out. Well, it's an interesting trade, too, because the Browns are in contention, and they're about to trade away one of their top right. assets, right? So you have to look at it from that view, too. Why are they getting rid of him as they try to gear up for a playoff That would push? make me worry as a general manager. I, I want to ask Keith Bullock. Let's ask Keith Bullock about that. Yeah. Um, Fuller, the cornerback in Denver, is another person that a lot of people are talking about. Like, uh, th this is a lower-level Beckham thing to me, right? But Fuller played two snaps two weeks ago, and I think it was a healthy scratch last night. Um, the Titans need a cornerback. Well, you say Fangio knew him, signed him to a one-year deal. He's now so far in the doghouse that Fangio doesn't think he can help Denver. So why would the Titans, a team in dire need of help at cornerback now think that he could solve their problems when Fangio, who knew him, went and got him and he can't even play for, for Denver. That, that worries me, right? Whereas a lot of Titans fans go, oh, my God, Fuller, I remember oh. him. He was great in That's Chicago. They, are. they should go get him. And an active player like Fuller is still better than – someone else they're probably going to have to sign due to one more injury down the road. I mean, would you take him over the current options of, of call-ups that they have? I don't know. Yes. Which is it's basically the equivalent of minor league call-ups in the secondary for the Titans? Pro yes. Probably, but his contract is, is, uh, is pretty hefty. Steep. The one-year contract he signed. I have to look it up. But What's the injury report look like for the Titans? That's a, that's a factor. Um, injury report for the Titans. Again, it's in small type because there are a lot of people on it. Kansas City has a lot of people on it. So the three out, Lawan, Chester Rogers, and Monty Rice. Questionable Bud Dupree, who was out today. 
and Amani Hooker, who showed up today as a limited participant with a new groin injury, as well as Julio Jones and Jeremy McNichols with the ankle. On the other side, uh, Michael Burton, uh, the linebacker, no, sorry, the fullback, and uh, tight end Jody Forston are out, as is Anthony Hitchens, uh, a prominent linebacker for the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill is listed Tyreek as... Tyreek Hill is questionable after limited participation. He's playing. Today. He'll play. He'll play. Uh, Joe Thurney, Chris Jones, prominent guys uh, uh, there, and uh, Charvarius Ward, the cornerback. All Blue Raider. They'll play. Blue Raider, Charvarius Ward. Hunter, are you surprised that the Blue Raiders did not make the move to the I, AAC I with the no other six teams? Doing. I have no idea what they're doing, Chad. I, I thought that they might be in that group that would join the American Athletic Conference and take a step up. Well, they were not. But on the flip, I had a buddy of mine ask me, because I'm, I'm, I'm a huge MTSU fan, and they're Conference USA. They're not making the move to AAC. But in, in reality, when they made the move from the Sun Belt to Conference USA, basically the Sun Belt became Conference USA with all those teams. So really, this is just Conference USA naming itself something else. It's, it's, the, same, the, it's the same group of teams and opponents. So uh, if they have a plan, I'd love to know about it. I haven't been told anything in that regard. Um, and really, it was all very quiet this week when that news came out, which is a bit troubling. But usually if you have something planned, you lay it out there whenever the rest of the teams are bolting your conference as well. doesn't look good. You're hearing from a finalist for the next MTSU athletic director right now, Jonathan <laughs> I don't know about that. That was, that was his official I don't want it. I don't positioning want it, of, I don't know what they're doing. I'd like to figure it out. That was Jonathan Hutton putting his I also, name in the running uh, for future AD. At but there's all this plan. like, oh, we've got to go to the AAC. It was like, so just to join the Conference USA again? Like, it's the same group of teams because everyone's leaving. Yeah, but if you don't have another plan, who, so who's who are leaving? So with? you're joining Memphis. I'm trying to think of uh, Temple. Yeah. Who's, who's the teams left? Houston, Cincinnati, that are now going to the Big 12. It's amazing. It's 2012 all over again. Yeah, but, but in my mind, I'm trying to sort through the future moves done, that, are, that are happening. I think a lot of those schools will, will, can bolt as well if they, if they were given the opportunity. UCF, Houston, Cincinnati. Because keep in mind. Who's the fourth when, I'm when, leaving out in this scenario that's, that's uh, making the Florida, move? One of the Florida schools. It's UCF, I said. Oh, to, to the Big 12. Big 12 move. Houston, Cincinnati, UCF. There's one other oh, that right. I'm leaving yeah. off from Texas, the AAC. Another Texas Is there another school? Texas school? This is going to kill me now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm Googling it. We'll figure it out. Um, but, the, but, the, but it feels like 2012 again where you have all of these. BYU. That's it, BYU. BYU. Not a Texas school. You have all of that, an independent school. You have all these, this movement, though, and it's, it's hard like, to keep whenever, straight. Whenever middle, when, when MTSU joined Conference USA, it was going to be about, oh, they're going to be playing Memphis. And then Memphis bolted, right? You, just, you ended up with the conference that you were in. You just named it something different. It doesn't. The TV money's I, probably I, better. I'm relying on a brain like Jonathan Hutton's to figure this out for MTSU. About what I, I have no answer. What's ideal for them? Should they be independent like BYU and no. Notre Dame? Just strict independence? No. That's but, not the answer. But, again, I, I'm also not one of these. Uh, like, I don't, I don't believe that, that these other Power 5 schools owe MTSU anything to play them and pay them on a, an annual basis. That's uh, on middle to balance their budgets, not on the University of Tennessee or any of these other schools that they're playing on their, on their schedule. So, like Virginia Tech, like, that's not on them to give these paydays. Uh, to these lower-tier schools. I'm all for the Power Five playing the Power Five, and I will stay on that. If you can't maintain, maintain your budget and make money off your athletic program, 
you're probably in the wrong division. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're going to see more and There's more a of a dividing shift line coming with, uh, with regard to that. Yes. It's going to be a dividing line, and it's going to be wider between the haves and the have nots, and they're going to be in different classifications. We're going to talk Titans Chiefs with Keith Bullock coming up, Tennessee Power Hour. We're going to preview Sunday's matchup with the former Titans linebacker, one of the legends to wear the two tone blue. Also, Paul, we will get into a conversation uh, with analytics and, and beyond with him. And a look at just viewing teams from the stat sheet in particular and how they stack up, what a former player thinks about a current roster right now. Because the analytics would tell you that they may need to expand their roster past 53 and a 48 game day roster. Paul and I are not on board with that. We, we like the 48 and we like the 53-man roster. But the numbers would tell you, based on injuries that they need a boost in certain positions, but would that specialize it too much? We'll see what we'll ask, he thinks on that. Yeah, a, a lot to discuss with number 53, who is here at 6th and He's Peabody. Present. Keith joins us next on Outkick 360. One of our favorite friends of the show is Keith Bullock. We have hosted hours with him from London, from Indianapolis, uh, from downtown Nashville, and for the first time here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, Outkick 360 rolls on with number 53, Titans legend Keith Bullock in the house. Great to see you, man. Thanks for having me. It's pretty dope. You guys got a nice setup. You know, it's uh, not bad, right? You gotta, you gotta stay focused. Out <laughs> 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 of your left eye, and they can't. You, can't that, you gotta keep your head on a swivel. Hey, yeah. You gotta keep your head on a swivel around here, Keith, at all times. They're trying to distract Paul. We've also, uh, we've also had dinner with Keith in Manhattan and search for my phone. Oh, I forgot oh, about Legendary that. story. We've been he everywhere. Still hadn't with found Keith. that damn phone. <laughs> Let's tell that story real quick. Quick. Yeah, we were at uh, Alex Garnashelli's restaurant. A uh, great place. Alex Garnashelli, Paul's Columbia classmate. Uh, was our chef that night, famous Butter. famous television Butter. chef. Butter yeah. was the name of the place. We had a nice dinner. No, not just a nice dinner. Keith ordered Keith ordered extra like entrees. different entrees for us to try. Two or three yeah. tomahawk steaks. He's like, you know what, I'll try two of these. I'll take three of these Give mac and cheese. Well, we what had is, to get the full experience. Oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, and we, treating us great. Try everything. We it got the full experience because I was there for four hours because my phone <laughs> fell out Tarantino, of my pocket. Quentin Tarantino was yes. with some friends at a nearby yeah. table. My, my phone fell out into a little crevice just the size of my razor whatever <laughs> Terrible phone I had at the time. It was just big enough for they had my phone to coat there, hangers and, they, and all kinds oh, of they, devices. The major D had his, had his buttoned-up shirt off with a tank top on, underneath, sweating, <laughs> trying to get down in there with coat hangers. To Keith get my came phone. back from the bathroom. He's like, "You're still working on this? Yeah. I'll be at the bar over the there." Dude, hey, you got the last one. It's out. I left. Okay. I, I had yeah, you. Did. You gave up. Keith was hanging out with buddies uh, that came by to see him. You guys had left, and then Keith at one point turns around and says, is this still going on <laughs> behind me? And, yeah, it was, it was still going on. Keith Bullock uh, joins us. Uh, surprised by the Titans beating the Bills? You and I haven't discussed this yet. No, I'm not. I'm not really too surprised. You know, um, <clears throat> they, the Titans seem to have the Bills number. They do. You know, uh, and, you know, halftime of the game, because I watched the whole game, but at halftime of the game, I think it was um, um, Riddick. Riddick was, uh, what do the Titans have to do to, you know, get back in this game or stay in this game? Like, they're in the game. They just have to keep playing and get it to the fourth quarter, keep it close. And uh, 
that seems like a, a great formula for them against whoever they play. Keep it close to the fourth quarter and, and make it happen then. See what they, see what they can make happen. I, I, was, I was surprised with how they did it because it wasn't like this barrage of turnovers defensively. They gave up yards, not a ton of points. They were very good in the red zone in that game. Meanwhile, the Titans' offense, they only possessed the ball really four times, but they nilled out the, the clock at the end of the second half. Three possessions in the second half, and they got points off of all of them. That, that was really the difference in the game. And then also in the first half, they never really in the game, the Titans' defense only stopped the Bills' yeah. offense when they had to. You know, those first two drives, then they got three points. That was huge because then now Derrick Henry hits the home run and the Titans, they're winning 7-6. Now what they're doing, they're playing with confidence. You know, now it's like, okay, we can play with these guys. Um, they got very fortunate that, you know, um, quarterback's name real quick. Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. He missed a couple. He missed a couple reads. He did. Um, and look. Made defense, made plays. Bayard got that interception down deep in their territory that they got points on, and they just kept it close. And Derrick Henry was the X factor. They had no answer for Derrick Henry, especially late in that fourth quarter on his last touchdown, um, I think, or the 12-yard run. Um, after he lowered the shoulder on the safety earlier in the game, when, it, <laughs> when oh. he had to uh, maybe make a touchdown-saving tackle, he chose, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> business decision. Yeah, yeah. He chose the latter, and that was the kind of dive at his ankles, and that's not going to do anything against uh, 260 pounds coming downhill. A lot of Vrabel's signature wins, and I would call this another one of them, feature these comebacks, which means they don't play very well for a while because they've got something to come back from. They, they put out this week most victories since 2018 when he started after trailing by seven or more points in the fourth quarter. Titans are best in the league with seven. Green Bay second, only five. Uh, that makes for very compelling football for the fans. Yeah. I mean, that, that's exciting stuff to watch them come back from seven down in the fourth. But what's it tell you about where they start and why they can't be leading a game like this for, for a while or come out? They seem to come out flat a lot or, or without a good plan early. They adjust very well. I mean, I guess the way I look at it is, um, you know, right now, or they always have been, you know, trying. They figure out how, they figure it out as the season goes. Like, you know, I played on the team. We've come out and been eight and one, or ten and zero, oh, and you know, six. You know, just coming out, beating the teams we're supposed to beat, and playing the football we're supposed to play all year. And then whatever happens in the playoffs is what happens. But you know, I believe that's the type of football you're talking about during the regular season. And I think Mike Vrabel's teams, you always know them. They're going to play tough. Um, you got Derrick Henry um, since Tannehill's taken over. Tannehill's been able to make the plays in the regular season. They've been able to do all the things they needed to do to win, especially since Andrew Luck has left the conference. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they've Big done difference. everything that they have supposed to do in the regular season. Look, they're still – two games ahead of the Colts right now at this point. So um, they have never – I don't know why they haven't asserted their dom dominance because maybe they're just not a dominant team, and that's okay. They're a playoff team. Um, you know, what was it, a few years ago when they beat uh, Baltimore? New they England. Beat New England. 
And they or got two years ago. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And last year they made the playoff, you know. So that's the type of teams Mike Vrabel has. That's the type of teams they've been putting together. And at the end of the season, it's their seasons have kind of been like their games. If they're around late in December, they're probably going to make the playoffs. If they're around late in these games, they've got a great shape to win it, shot to win these games. So that's the type of team that they've been putting out. And it's just been okay. But they haven't been able to, um, you know, have that stellar season where every week we're talking great things about them. And, and the playoffs start and they let you down in the first round. So <laughs> I think uh, everybody's journey is different. And as long as you keep winning and make the playoffs, um, you always have a shot of getting that Super Bowl ring. Titans have long needed a pass rush, Keith, and Harold Landry has been excellent this season. But how do you evaluate Harold Landry in a contract year in terms of decision-making? You know, you're, you're not the general manager, but if you are and you're looking at this and saying, is this just a one-year thing because it's a contract year, or are we seeing a guy that's learning on the, on the fly and it's just all coming together now and it's going to continue to come together for him? Yeah, um, look, if, if it's not Harold Landry, then who is it? He's, I think, one of the top three pass rushers through six, seven weeks in the NFL. He has six and a half sacks. Um, I think I heard this before. T.J. Rott leads, and he's supposed to lead. You know what I mean? And there's someone else that's, like, right there, yeah. and they're a household name as well. So I think Harold Landry continually, continuously gets better. Um, kind of on a trajectory as an A.J. Brown. We see these players get better every year, and those are the type of players that you, you know, those are cornerstone players. You hope that they can keep this production up so you can put other players, younger players around these guys. You lock these guys down, and that's how you build the franchise. You know, you bank on those guys to be your eight, nine, ten-year ten -year guys to um, put younger guys around that are, become your locker room guys. And, you know, you don't have to go outward to search. That's why, look, you bring a guy like uh, um, Bud Dupree in. Um, he's played a lot of great football with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's coming off of an ACL. Um, a lot of these guys come back early. I, for one, was one that came back early, too early off of ACL. Um, but with that said, um, the attitude and everything that they bring into a locker room the mentality they bring into um, a classroom, a defensive uh, meeting room, coming from an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers can do a lot for young football players like uh, Jeffrey Simmons or Harold Landry. Take a lot of that load off of um, uh, Kevin Byard, who's been there for a long time, who guys might look to, but now you get someone else to come in and even teach these guys how to be leaders, maybe on their way out of their NFL careers. Keith Bullock with us on OutKick360. You can follow him on Twitter at KBull53. All right, so are, are, have we reached a point where the MVP is for quarterback only? And I realize we've always been that way. Well, <laughs> running back won it not too long ago. How long ago Adrian was it? Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, 2009, 2008. Eight. I mean, 13 That's years. It's pretty long. Ago, it, I mean, right? it's a long time, but it's not that. I mean, it was still the quarterback era uh, where you had Brady and Manning playing. My, my point is, are we wasting our time comparing Henry to the quarterbacks in the MVP race? It's week seven. I'm not trying to get way too far down the path here. But as we set up the race, we're hearing a lot of quarterback talk, and Henry's just kind of offensive player of the year, which is just a, an award that they give to a non-QB now. So who votes on MVP? 
we looked it's this up. 50, 50 uh, reporters selected by the Associated Press around the country. Well, like, no it's a pretty good panel last year, yeah. in my judgment, of reporters. Great. And that, that's great for the, for the reporters that are on this panel, but they keep doing the same stuff every yeah. year. So yeah. they are initially essentially the problem because Derrick Henry is doing things that we've never seen before. These quarterbacks are going to come out and look, they're only going to pass for more yards. They're only going to be able, you know, because there's 17 games now, they're getting more opportunities. The, the rules um, lean towards the quarterback yes. and the offense, not necessarily the running back. So with that being said, it's a quarterback-driven league, and that's great that, you know, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes might win it. He's going to get an opportunity to win it, win it again in his career. All these top quarterbacks are going to get an opportunity to win in their career again, whereas Derrick Henry, realistically speaking, everyone's talking about, oh, if he can keep this up, how many more years does he have to play at this pace? I don't know. I would never put a number on it, but... You're looking at Tom Brady playing in his 40s right now. So I think it's very realistic to say that the NFL is coming a lot like seven on seven, you know, where the quarterback doesn't even have to worry about taking a hit. And look, your running back can make your entire offense look great. But it doesn't that almost lend more credence, Keith, to, to Derrick Henry? Because no one else is – how many teams are running back led? Actually running back led. I mean, I think the, the uniqueness of Derrick Henry right now should give it more steam for a possible MVP. So, and then also, yeah, I agree with you there. And then also, these writers, these experts that are decades covering this sport, like, who was the last person they've seen do this? You know what I'm saying? Like, who can you compare? Adrian Peterson. <laughs> right, but built like, yeah. built the way but Derrick Henry doing it back is. to back. Exactly, but the way that he's built, you know, um, he's 6'3", he's 6'4", 260 pounds, taking off on defensive backs, like to the point where once he breaks to the second level, he has breakaway speed, and that's very rare that no one is catching him. Uh, I mean, that no one is catching a guy that size. Um, someone that, like, when I played in the early 2000s, we had big backs. We had Brandon Jacobs, the bus, you know, uh, Corey Dillons. We had, you know, you can name them. So I'm used to playing against big backs, but I'm not used to seeing big backs with the take takeoff speed, the home run hitting ability as Derrick Henry shows week in and week out. And none of these reporters have seen this either. So that's even more of a case for Derrick Henry. They've seen quarterbacks with high QB efficiencies and this, that, and the other. And if they haven't seen it, the way the game is trending, they will see it. So, you know. We talk about Harold Landry ascending. Uh, seems to me um, the guy drafted ahead of him in, in that class, uh, Rashawn Evans, it, 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 if he's not descending, he's, he's certainly flatlining. Uh, I don't know how well you know him, but I know you'll give us a candid assessment. He seems to just not operate in space the way you would want an interior linebacker to operate and to have instincts and feel. And you played with great instincts and feel in, in a similar position, though you were a middle linebacker as opposed to inside in 3-4. What do you see when you watch him play? Um, I, look, 
I see in our question, what, what are they asking him to do? What is his role within the defense? I see um, hesitation. I see things that I shouldn't be seeing at this stage of his career as an NFL linebacker within the same system. I think it's within the same, or it's a 3-4, you know what I'm saying? So um, it just makes me question, what are they asking him to do? And then is he not able to function within the defensive scheme that he's playing because there are tons of opportunities to make plays and then when you see someone when you see uh david long jr jump in there 14 tackles last week able to, yeah. to get to the ball um be around the ball make plays make an impact um you know you kind of you kind of question you know what is going on in the player's head what are they seeing how are they you know, dissecting the game when it's time to play. Because if you're not seeing production, I'm asking all those questions if I were a coach, you know. So I'm not seeing much production from his linebacker position spot. There's no answer I can give you. So those would be all of my questions, you know, when I sat up down in my room. <laughs> Broader football question for you, Keith, because I'm watching Tennessee Ole Miss Saturday night. And I'm watching Ole Miss fake 13 injuries in the second half. And I'm thinking, I need to ask Keith Bullock about this. So kind of a three-part question. Have you ever faked an injury as a defensive player to slow down a game or slow down an offense? B, have you ever been coached or taught or had a system in place to fake an injury as a defensive player? C, or three, <laughs> what do you think about that as a strategy against these up-tempo? You see it a lot more in college. But these up-tempo, snap the ball every eight seconds, it was clearly a game plan by Lane Kiffin, and it worked in the second half to slow Tennessee down a bit with all the injuries. What do you think about all three of these? And you could speak from your own experience. Yeah, not nah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, that is a tactic, especially if a team is going tempo and, you know, you got to get off the field. Like, you know, you're going tempo. Usually the linemen have to get off the field. You know yep. what I'm saying? So nine times out of ten, it's one of them falling down. And it's because you can't sub in this scenario. Right. It's because they're gassed. You know, they, they literally, they're fat. Just fall over. Yeah, they, they can't even. You say I can't cuss, but yeah. they can't. They I'll can't ask Albert Hainsworth about it tomorrow. So oh, yeah, nah. They just fall down at some point. Yeah, because they can't get off the field. And the ref has to call a timeout. But I've never seen. Like as many DBs. Have you ever done it? No, because I know the, my value. I can't. <laughs> can't leave it. Yeah, <laughs> like, look, I'm in shape. I don't have to come off the field. I'm ready to go. Like, um, Bring it. Yeah, but yeah, but I. it's never been game plan. It's never been game plan. I definitely remember the Colts. That was one of their things. They would go um, tempo to get Albert off the field. You know what I mean? He's either going to not be able to go or we're gonna have to get him out or whatever it is but you go tempo to to get played you know get, but no out. coach has ever told you to do this no i've definitely told a player to go down though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on your defense yeah <laughs> sure do you remember the player in the game was the colts oh uh, i don't i don't remember but i remember i remember one time telling <laughs> And D linemen, they don't like it. Like, if they're not tied, so that's what I'm saying. Usually it's legit, or if I do it, it's like a defensive strategy. Like, we need to slow something down. But no, no coaches told me to do it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I definitely had a D line. Like, I'm not going down. 
because you look weak when you go down. You look, you know, obviously he like used more words than that, but yeah, <laughs> kind of, you know, expressed his, his, you know, his opinion about taking a, 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 false, a false dive. When you see a team with a lot of soft tissue injuries, does it set anything off in, in your head? Yeah. A lot of hamstrings on this yeah. team, some groins, some quads, whatever. What was your training like in the offseason? Like, everybody wants to look to the trainers, but how much did you exert your body in the offseason? Because if you're really, really, really training in the offseason, look, Derrick Henry runs just as much as anybody else. He puts his training videos out there. Like, I don't care if he puts one a month. You know this man is putting in that work. Um, I feel some guys put videos out here, there. However it works now. Like, a lot of things are for show. Oh, look at me, look at me. Um, and I think you can really tell who puts in the work when the season starts. Your body of work really, you know, tells who you are as a player. So, um, you know, I, look, I always think, like, how much um, physical strain are you putting your body through in the offseason because obviously in the preseason you don't have to do nothing now you know what i mean so you're not out there getting real-time reps until the first game of the season you know what i mean and you know if you're not prepared to play you're gonna look bad you're going against professionals so i think when it goes back to your direct question about the soft tissue and the groins and all that i look directly at how much do you put your body through in the offseason when you report to camp and do you keep that same um same thing up because it's a long season and everybody I feel these days are you know trying to get through camp without getting injured if you're going to get hurt you're going to get hurt either way um, you know when I played here we would have already played like a game and a half before the gate first game of the season and two a days yeah in the fourth game the fourth game of the year the last preseason game we're playing into the second into the second half like you know what I mean I really remember Aaron Rodgers being like, Bullock, what are you guys still doing out here? Like, you know, because he's a second stringer trying to get his reps in, but we still got our starters in. Like, he's like, yo, call off the dogs. I was hoping to see some backups out here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect to see you here, Keith. Wow, great to, great to meet you. have too much of a bearing on the league now? Like, should there be – Hutton and I don't believe this, but there's a lot of argument like expand the rosters, uh, you know, so that it's not such it's a big factor. It's going to get players paid, but replaceable. I, but Hutton and I think yeah. it, it lends itself to too much specialization. You see strictly run linebackers and strictly pass linebackers. I wouldn't want that. I mean, look, this league is going to be what it's going to be. I think that that's why you have more practice squad people. That's why you have, you know, obviously I believe the 53-man roster will eventually expand as well because there is no farm system. So I think the closest thing you could do to a farm system is open up these NFL teams and then possibly you have a specific spring ball or fall ball for your expanded roster that supplements for a farm system. I just made that up, but I'm sure well, somebody, right, but I'm, I'm sure somebody's thinking about that. You know what I mean? So um, that's what's going to happen. There's going to have to be a way for these teams to groom these extra players that they can't waste pre practice time and reps on. Um, during the week, you know, obviously training camps are shorter, so really training camps are just auditions now. Um, I think they should let people come in off the street and, like, try out in the, in the spring. If they're good enough, hold the local combine and, and let these guys go out there, get them in your OTAs, because obviously 
your um you know your star players ain't attending no they're attending but they ain't participating you know, paul would hate covering that story by the way any feel-good story paul's out on that no i don't want to see any local guys get an opportunity well, I'd, I'd, I'd get a lesser guy to cover it I, I think i think right and i think you would get guys farm system guys you would you would make a farm it system would, journal. It would help i mean it would help um you know the front office create um uh, um, an atmosphere of competition for at least six weeks and then whoever don't make it you send them on their way and you get all that done out of the way before that that real OTA in June you know what I'm saying so those guys that really want to play ball alright you're the guys that are here in February through May I can't find the tweet you sent but I think you have a strong stance on this three of us are generally aligned Titans send out this big fashion show on uh, every Saturday, the runway, everybody's in their suits and stuff. Project runway. And even the coach has said it's not about the damn suits and the cars and everything. It's about how you play. The social media team doesn't seem aligned with the coach. But it annoys us. Because the social media team is part of Project Runway. Lose to the they're, Jets. They're photographed too. And I know they can do both. They can wear a suit on Saturday and play winning football on Sunday. But sometimes it seems like those things get crossed up. What's your thinking about the the drip, and the football. <laughs> What's your thoughts on Paul using the word drip? Well, because it's the word I saw him use. I, I did not use drip. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I could have probably sounded gross or something like that. But regardless, I know I'm picking up what you're putting down. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I mean, look, if when I think I said this, and I think I know what you're referring to, but the, the team wasn't really good then. You know, I think it was probably before Vrabel or whatever. They weren't good. And it just seemed like every week, you know, on social media, you're seeing, like, the drip. You're seeing what everybody's <laughs> wearing. You know what I'm saying? And it was like a fashion show. But then you go out there and you don't play good. You know, I understand. Look good, play good. But how do you, how you feel about yourself when you look good and you don't play good? You know what I'm saying? And it seemed that as if that's what they kept putting out there. Um, you know, I guess now recently, I feel like uh, they, won or they got the right to do that. Like, they're still number one in the AFC South. You know what I mean? They play well. The only game they got blown out in was uh, the Arizona. first game of the season. Arizona, yep. You know, um, you're going to lose some games. Kansas City ain't playing great football right now. You know what I mean? But everybody still believes in them. The uh, Buffalo just came in here and lost to that Titans team that everyone didn't believe in that lost to um, the Jets. Um, you know what I'm saying? So right now, I, it's all good. But I just feel if you're not playing good football, um, that's Wear a sweatshirt. Nah, nah. You got to dress nice. Dress nice every time you're going to work. It's a business trip. But I think you should be more focused on your assignments and the game than, you know, may, let me get my pickup before I take off because I don't know if this plane has Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Bullock joins us uh, here on Outkick 360. Follow him on Twitter at Cable53. Great dude. Great guest. Uh, catch him Sunday night, News Channel 5, yeah. Sports Central as yeah. well, recapping. Titans, Chiefs, it's going to be quite the game. At I watch every Stadium. Sunday. I record it every nice. Sunday. Good to see you, man. Great to see yeah. you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. It was cool. Keith Bullock, our guest on Outkick 360. You know what? Keith said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. So hey, run, it back, run it back. Run it back. He saw that bucket coming out. He said, 
I'm staying. Hey, I, I hit mine. I didn't know Sixth and Peabody I, without kick 360. <laughs> we are here each and every day. The Cerveza is the best quality that you can have here. Uh, well, although Yeehaw has so many different options. For it's you. our preferred uh, beverage. We love here. it. The I like we the love easy. the Cerveza. Easy is very uh, good, uh, too. Easy's yeah. good. Uh, Yeehaw beer. Old Smoky Moonshine gets it done. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Great to have Keith back to on the, the show. Cerveza at 454. <laughs> Yeah, how about the football weekend? How about the Chiefs coming to town, Keith? Yeah, Chiefs travel well. Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> the Titans hope a- not quite as well as Buffalo. Maybe they could improve their uh, ratio a touch. I've seen a few Chiefs here today, in fact. They're, they're in town early. They're ready to go. I, and you know what? Um, and that's where the whole terrible towel thing stems from. Oh, Pitt- Pittsburgh's man. another team that travels well. And they had about – Remind the people what you did. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a, a late December um, you like guys playoff, good. yeah, playoff implication game, and I feel like Albert was out, Vandenbosch was out. We had a bunch of key guys out, and they, Pittsburgh was good too. And they just felt Pittsburgh was going to come in here and run us, and they brought about 20,000 people with them, and they were just in this one section of the end zone. And in the beginning of the game, they were – talking they were talking crap to me waving their towels i was like all right so um when mike griff returned the interception for the touchdown and put it away i told um officer jeb at the time (laughs) (laughs) officer jeb um i was like yo give me one of those towels (laughs) and i was just I blacked out. (laughs) So did Lindell and Javon. You stomped it. it. Oh, it was awesome. But that's how I feel. You got to hold down home field at at any cost, and you don't come into anybody's house. Is that the is that the same game where that great photo uh, Paul was taken of Cortland just drilling Heinz Ward, and the grass is going everywhere? This is back when helmet to helmet was legal. Yeah, that was that yeah. was I think it's the same game. I mean, that was a physical game and a tone-setting game for both teams. Both teams felt like the winner was going to do great things off of that game, right? It set off quite the debate about the relic level of a uh, piece of Yeah, labyrinth. it became this thing where now suddenly Keith like he dishonored he's the against helping parents. sick kids right. <laughs> because <laughs> remember they sell it yeah. pro- proceeds go to Whatever, Children's Myron concept. Cope, I think, yes. had the, yeah. the foundation a great, for... a great cause. Yeah, it's a great cause, it's but then they're like, oh, well, well, now Keith hates kids. That, yeah, that's no. what happened when he... Because yeah, it's, it's a damn towel. Yeah, I, That's I, all it is. It's a towel. It's, it's amazing towel, how people treat it. And I definitely donated a, a couple thousand dollars to the Myron Cope Foundation. We cool. KB loves the kids. Yeah, of course. <laughs> off my back. It's not the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this trend of, of uh, I mean... It didn't exist in your day how many opposing fans come in. The Titans had to get bad in order for right. fans, to home fans, to stop coming in order to create this vacuum that allows Buffalo and Kansas City to come a, a lot more than Pittsburgh was coming back But then. it ups Titans fans' energy. It did. Yeah. It but did against Buffalo, night. they get louder. It, it sounded like it was, you know, 80-20. It was probably 50-50. But it sounded 80-20 Titans because Titans fans go nuts when that happens. But this, this version of the team is used to that. Well, and to be fair, Nashville has become a destination yes. city. So people are like, oh, our team, that's a reason to go. I can get a ticket. I can get a ticket. And I yeah. can come and have a big weekend I, in a nice city. I'm definitely going to Vegas to check out a Raiders game. And, you know. We're going with you. Yeah, no doubt. Let's, <laughs> let's go. I'll let's kick go. Vegas. Or, hey, let's go. That's our next That's our next toast. We'll be in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll uh, kick Vegas. When uh, I'll kick Vegas. Vegas. 
<laughs> Keith will also buy five entrees there for us to try at a Vegas hey, restaurant. Uh, and Chad will lose as well. I, I got my dollars up since then, so we're good. Uh, my phone's thicker now, so we're good. Hey, party <laughs> oh, there's a crevice that'll force here us. at 6th and Peabody. Uh, we will be here tomorrow morning for Outkick the Tailgate. 8 o'clock Central is when we get started. It is open. We hope you'll come join us. Food and drink specials and much, much more great Outkick swag as well, Chad. Free and breakfast. Yeah, and we, we get free breakfast for you. We get going at 8. We'll get you ready for the college football slate. It is going to nice. be a blast. Uh, myself, Chad, Jill Savage. Keith, you can come back if you want to in the morning. Yeah, you're more I got Hainsworth. Brett Nerd. Yeah, Hainsworth coming I'm by, man. I'm going to take your shot. <laughs> I'm going to do Big Al will be here uh, with us in a jam-packed Talk show. to him about him falling down at the line. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. First class. Gassed. Gassed. Uh, kicks Brooks and more. Oh, Oh, roll, tie, roll, they say. Chad, your thoughts as we... Yeah, you're from Bama. I could care less. I don't got a uh, horse in the race, buddy. Go to hell, Alabama. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you're from Bama. Tennessee and Alabama tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Titans, Chiefs this weekend. We recap it all with you on Monday, and we preview the college football slate tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock across the Outkick Network for Outkick the Tailgate. Thanks for joining us from 6th and Peabody for Outkick 360. Just don't block the box and do lock the locks.